Welcome to the Howie Silbiger Show on the True Talk Radio Network. Get in on the conversation. Call 1-877-669-1292. And I'm Howie Silbiger. Welcome to the program. So happy you could join us here on this Sunday evening. And... What a week it's been. <laughs> what a crazy week it's been. The American election week seems to be nearly over. We're not quite finished yet. We're almost finished. Nearly finished. And uh, to help make sense of all of this, to make, help, to make sense of some of this, to make sense of any of this, I uh, bring on my friend, my colleague, and uh, my producer, Mr. Shelton Eric Freed. Sheldon, we're going to try to make some sense of this because, I mean, so far it's making no sense. Doesn't any of the U.S. elections make sense? And no. I was just saying to you off the air, I was saying it's amazing how complex the U.S. election is as comparison to the Canadian election. Because the Canadian election, you pick campaign maybe one month max, two. Then you go to the polls, cast your ballots, and the, you know, and the story, a party gets elected. United States, it's a year of campaigning. Uh, this has been every. This has been a very dirty election. Um, Aren't then, all the elections you know, that, dirty? What's that? Aren't all the elections dirty? Yeah, but you know what? It seems to get worse and worse every election. Like really, I, and you know what? I really don't care which side which side uh, you're on. You know, instead of the issues. It's mudslinging, it's family slinging, it's character assassination. I mean, you know, when you want to go into the political arena... That's been the case for a lot, a lot of years, Sheldon. That's that's nothing new. What's that? That's nothing new. No, and you know what? You and I have discussed about it so many times that, you know, as much as we would entertain of going into politics, a lot of people just don't want to do it because... It, it's just it, they just take whatever it is out of your closet, and if you it committed even so much as a, even as a you know shoplifted candy bar or something, that'll be used against you. Like or they'll find something to try to pin on you, and and you know what, it's such a turnoff. Like I, I I'm so, you know once this thing is settled in terms of once all the ballots have officially been counted. I'll be glad that I don't. I don't care who won. I'm just glad it's over. Like I, it's, it's it's enough. Not going like, to be over until January twentieth, Sheldon. Well, that's what I mean. So at least January twentieth. Well, we're getting close because we have. But the campaigning is finished. Yeah. So the campaigning is finished now. But now you're going to hear about. Can- now you're going to hear about um, lawsuits. Now you're going to hear about recounts. This is what we're going to yeah. hear about. We're not going to hear yeah. about uh, the campaign anymore. Campaign's over. The voting is over. Yeah. Now it's all about recounts and uh, and lawsuits and then complaining that they lost or complaining that uh, that that the election was stolen from them. This is what this is what we're going to hear from now on. Yeah, and you know what? Like you said, it's de- democracy. It's it's democracy, and let the Americans vote whoever they want to vote for, and let it be the democratic process that we have to all respect. Because you said it before, and I agree with you that it's up to the democratic process this is what makes the united states the country it is let the people cast their votes and let let the chips fall where they may 
And then once For me, it's, it's simple. decided, that's it. For me, it's simple. The election it should, it should. is the voice of the American people. And it once should be the voice that. of the American people has spoken, yeah. then that's it. And it There's should be that. Public. It should be the voice of the American people. That's yeah. it. I'm tired of these lawsuits. I'm tired with these shenanigans. I'm tired of it. And I'm, you know, there, I, I even avoided Facebook like the plague because I got so sick and tired of people were saying about the election this, the election that. And I said, you know what? I'm sick and tired of it. And a lot of Canadians were weighing in on it. And even the mudslinging in terms of the comments on both sides of the, it just turned me off and I just decided to go, with the exception of posting any anything, let's say, humorous that has nothing to do with the election or radio shows that I have on another network, that's it. I've been staying away. I, I did not even want to comment on the election because I was so sick and tired of it. Yeah, I'm it, sick and it was tired overexposed of in the media for sure. Yeah, and, and, you know, I blame the media. I've said it before. I blame the media. You blame the media. The media is, as the media should be ashamed of themselves. The, really and I'm should. talking about the, yeah. the major, major media. They should be absolutely ashamed of themselves. Like, absolutely, you know, they completely forgot what hard school, this hard school journalism was all about. The report, the facts, and stop with the damn biases. And I'm tired of it. And every I'm, media I'm, I'm is biased. Sick and tired of it. There's no media that's not biased. I haven't well, found one objective media source yet. Yeah, that's the problem. And either way, no matter if, if the media was pro Biden or pro Trump, I don't care. They shouldn't be pro anybody. They should be pro facts. Take it from both sides, ask the hard questions, get the answers. That's what I want. Look, that's how you and I got into journalism. Yeah. You and I got into because at that time, they were, media was a very responsible tool because they didn't have all this with social media because social media now is has really ballooned has put pressure on the media also and the media just did not react the way it should and that's not the way you and i were brought up when you and i went to you and i were brought up with the highest journalistic standards of quality and and i'm and now i'm just sick and tired of the way a lot of the media has reported this so what what bothered you about the media reporting? What what bothered you about it? Just just the bias of it, because you know you you'll go into one you'll go into one network and they'll be pro this, you go into one network they'll be pro that. I'm saying what about the facts here? <laughs> like it, you know you can't be facts. pro someone, you can't be pro someone, and then not asking the hard questions of the of the person well, that you're you pro. You can you're be. Sheldon, you can be. Obviously, you, you can be. You can be, but they choose not to. Yeah. That's the problem. See, that's the problem. Yes, they can be, and they should be. And right. they should not be pro-anybody. They should be pro-facts. And I that's why I'm saying it was the same thing with the Canadian elections here. And it's the same, and it's worse than the American elections. So we're coming like up to Canadian elections in about a year, Sheldon. Do you think we're going to have the same problem here that they have in the States? It's not going to be the same magnitude, but there will be the same problem it, because obviously you're talking about population differential. We, I, we won't have the we won't have the riots. We won't have a, a lot of. The, first of all, there's not going to be this whole hum, hullabaloo with lawsuits and all this stuff. Yes, recounts is standard practice. If the margin is very very narrow, I respect the recount, and but then after it's been recounted and it's been confirmed, then they have to respect the results. Yeah, 
One, so that's what I'm saying. Here in Canada, they would, most likely, I would say maybe 80 to 90%. But in the States, they'll try to figure it, they'll try to finagle away, oh, it wasn't counted properly, or mail-in ballots came in a little late. Do you and- think that there is any possibility whatsoever that there was shenanigans in the American election? What do you think? I'm asking you. Well, I think it's more the shenanigans in the media than the shenanigans in the American election. Okay. Now, the thing is, when you're going to have a mail-in ballots, the, the, uh, first of all, the, the voting turnout was unprecedented in any American yeah. election in U.S. history. This, the highest, I think, it was the o- highest. I think it was over 74 million people that were eligible to vote. I, I may be wrong on the count, but I think it was something like 74 million people cast the ballots. No, 140 which, million people cast the ballots. Okay, so 140. Okay, more than, so, more than 140 right. million, million people. Okay, so the thing is, what what I'm what I'm referring to is the fact that's been the highest voting turnout. The electoral yeah. when people were voting in the electoral uh, polls and everything was more. It was more than I think the U.S. federal election. On the day of the election, I think there was a the, yeah, the, the advanced polls were more the than polls, the yeah. last than the 2016 election. For sure. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. So that's so it, it it already showed that a lot of it, it, the thing that if anything, I'm glad that more people turned out to vote. So so in terms of that, because I was always um, I was always a preacher on people voting. I don't care who you vote for, but as long as you go out and vote, and because other countries don't. You don't have that right to vote. Or if you vote for the wrong party, you could be shot or jailed. Or worse, dead. So, I mean, you know, the democratic right for people to go and vote. I'm glad more people exercised the democratic uh, right and voted. No, I don't care who they voted for as long as they voted, as long as they turned out and they did their... And that's that's what I've always believed in. So, Sheldon, Paul uh, tells us, you remember Paul Mullen? Paul tells us that that he heard on Global News that a Republican candidate in North Dakota was elected, but he died of COVID in early October. The the ballots were already printed, and his name couldn't be changed. They had to appoint a new candidate. So the guy won the election, and he was dead, Shelton. Oh, Oh my God. (laughs) Imagine you were the losing candidate in this race. Imagine that. You're the guy who lost to the dead guy. Huh. That'd be terrible, <laughs> wouldn't it? <laughs> oh, my God. I lost the election. Oh, so your opponent's taking over? No, he's dead. I lost to a dead guy. <laughs> I mean, I feel bad for the person obviously passed away, but that's a that's ridiculous story. Like, like, imagine how much people don't want you that they voted for a guy who died a month ago rather than voting for you. Yeah, if that if that does if that doesn't tell you something, if that doesn't tell you to get out of politics, I don't know what will. Yeah, really. Oh my god, that's really awful. my last uh, my last election, I lost by a landslide. My my opponent got like ninety six percent of the vote. That that told me pretty much to get out of politics. But if he was dead and he got ninety six percent of the vote, I would be like, all right, all right, all right. Now they really don't like me. <laughs> Yeah, I think if I was getting that, if I was running and I got that type of message, I would think, yeah, I think the next time I'm not going to run for politics. I yeah. think people have yeah. made it loud and clear that a dead person was was more 
qualified than I am, was, for sure. Was more qualified yeah. than I was, or they liked them <laughs> more not than they liked me. One eight seven seven six six nine one two nine two. One eight seven seven six six nine one two nine two. That's the number to call to get in on the conversation here on the Howie Snowbugger Show. Feel free to call in. Sheldon and I are here. We'll we'll talk to you. We'd love to put you on the air and hear what you have to say. Uh, do you happy? Are you happy? Learn how to speak English, shall we? Are you happy? That... Try it again. <laughs> do you happy, Sheldon? Do you happy? This is a person who mentioned our off air. Well, I wanted to go on the air and say about the election results on a Tuesday. I said, no, that ain't going to happen. That's not going to happen. Sheldon, do you happy about the, re- uh, about the results? <laughs> All right. The question is, are you happy about the results of the American election? Give me a call. one 669 1292 That's one 669 1292 You know what the problem is, Sheldon? I have um What's the problem? How will you tell me the problem? I have a feedback ear thing in my ear here, you see? It's right there. And yes. and it's feeding back my voice about a quarter of a second after I talk. So so it's it's kind of hard to judge what I'm saying because I'm hearing myself about a quarter of a second after I said what I said. Okay, so you said said that okay quarter said, quarter, said, yeah. quarter okay. I, now, I could put on a pair of headsets and that would solve the problem. Why don't you put on a pair of headsets? That's not a bad idea. I should do that because <laughs> <laughs> that would solve the whole problem. Yes, and then you would be happy and as supposed to. Well, then everybody uh, would understand what I'm saying. Yes, I wouldn't be saying I wouldn't be saying uh, do you is I mean I wouldn't be saying things like that. All right. Yeah. So do you like the do you like the results of the election? Give me a call. One eight seven seven six six nine one two nine two. One eight seven seven six six nine one two nine two. So Sheldon, if you were American, my my students were asking me this all week. If you were American, who would you have voted for? Well, I usually don't like to say who I vote for. Yeah, so, but you didn't vote. But, but I, but I, I mean, I'll say I, I say I would definitely go out to vote for sure. I would definitely go out to vote for sure. So, so you That's have a what, candidate in mind that you kind of like that you said that you would that you go and vote for. Yeah, I, I mean, that's exactly what, what. Yeah, that's exactly what I would do. Would be based on the issues. But the thing is, in the states too, unlike here in Canada, you vote for the person in your riding. The party, the the party in the writing, where in the states you vote for either Trump or Biden. Right. Well, but you also vote for you know senators and judges and senators. All exactly. Things. Yeah. Exactly. It's now, a long now the ballot. thing is, how is this going to work? In the Senate is still what a very slim Republican lead. Yeah. Okay. Now, and but Congress the, is but a very House slim is, Democratic. The, the House is good. Yeah. So well, how is this going to work? This is That's another way thing, too. It's the way it during Trump. Nothing's changed. Yeah, yeah but uh, Trump the only thing changed is that Republicans got a few more seats in Congress. That's all that's changed. Okay, but the thing is, the uh, but the House is Democratic, uh, yeah. but the Senate is Republican. Exactly. So the thing, so the thing is that, like, let's say now that Biden is president-elect. Yes, yeah. put on the headphones. Yeah, let I'm, it just work. Put, I'm going put to on do the that. Headphones. All right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So now that Biden is president-elect, yeah, what were you saying? Yeah. So yeah. now that Biden Biden is president-elect, and let's say he gets elected on the 20th of January, President of the United States, 
He starts putting things past past the Senate. Now, what's going to happen where a lot of things, you know, what type of opposition is he going to get at the Senate? And now how is this going to wind up working? Because when Trump was there, he had the Senate to pretty much back him up. Well, uh, Biden has the Congress to pretty much back him up. So, so do you foresee it's going to be a much more difficult situation with Biden, or you think it's pretty much going to be very similar to what Trump was getting? I, I think it's pretty much going to be very similar. It'll be a deadlock like it was before. Okay. Uh, unfortunately, unless unless the uh, Senate and the uh, and Congress decide to cooperate, then who knows how we're who knows what's going to happen. I'd like to see that. I'd like to see the, the Senate and Congress cooperate. That I, I would like to see. Have you ever seen that happen ever? Have you ever heard that happening ever? N- not when they not not when they're run by separate parties for sure not. Exactly. So I don't see it. I I can't see it happening now. Yeah, me neither. So uh, that's the big question here, right? Is uh, also, how is government going to run? Kamala Harris. Yeah. Uh, vice Wait, pre- uh, Vice you, President Elect too. You do realize that the Vice President's pretty useless job. They don't really have much power. No, I know that. Yeah. So here's a here. Here's an interesting uh, little Canadian fact, which I'm sure you know. She actually, even though she was born in the United States of America, uh, she actually went to school, Westmont High School in Montreal. She actually went to school for four or five years in Montreal. Am I supposed to be impressed by that? Is that supposed to be impressive? No, I'm just saying there's a bit of a Canadian connection. That's all I'm saying. Right. You know, so anybody that's listening in the Montreal area... Uh, yeah, there there was a bit of a Canadian uh, connection there. Okay, but she is an American citizen. Yeah, like a vice president. I mean, a vice president. I mean, would take over if God forbid Biden, you know, uh, was unable to govern. Well, we hope that president. we hope that the yeah. president that was elected by the people uh, would be able to govern. We, we, yeah, we. I hope... mean, if you take a look, if you take a look at John F. Kennedy when he was yeah. assassinated, right? But I don't well, see Johnson. Too, I don't think too many people are going to jump to assassinate Biden. No, 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 no. But I'm no. just saying, yeah, but I'm just saying like uh, that was the case with Kennedy when when John F. Kennedy was shot and then Lyndon B. Johnson then took over. Right. So. So that was uh, so that was at one point, because uh, otherwise uh, Linda, B., Linda B. Johnson was in the shadows and, and that was it. So, yeah, I mean. And also, usually if there's a, a, a real major conflict, they usually the president and vice president are in separate or located in separate areas. Yeah, usually. Yeah, that's usually how they do that as well. So the president would be flown to one area and the vice president would be flown into another area. So if one got attacked, the other one would still be able to govern the country. Right. So I, I really don't think that uh, that Biden has too many worries about being attacked. And I don't no. think... Uh, I, th- I think you know, health might take him out before uh, before an assassin. That's the thing too, because he he's uh, how old is Biden now anyway? Seventy eight years old. Seventy seven. Yeah, so he's, he's, quite... he's seventy seven, but yeah. he'll be seventy eight when they inaugurate him. Yeah. So seventy eight years old, four years. So that's quite. Yeah. So it's going to be interesting. Yeah, he is. So we'll see. He is the uh, oldest man, oldest person, man. Well, it's only been men, right? So he's the oldest yep. man to ever take the presidency. At the beginning of his presidency, he's older than uh, Ronald Reagan was at the end of his presidency. And he was the oldest yeah. guy to ever be president. Yeah, so. so it's going to be interesting to find out, uh, you know, physically, mentally, if he's able to govern four years. And I, I think my biggest concern, again, no matter who was being elected, I was really, I'm concerned for the major cities. I'm concerned that people might, uh, you know, 
do like a lot of looting, a lot of rioting. Why do you and think again, they would do that? Who do you think would do that, and why do you think they would do that? Well, again, it's like anything. It's like anything else. When the looters will find an excuse and take a demonstration, and uh, for and then they make it for their own agenda. They don't make it because of the demonstration themselves, but they use the demonstration for their own personal agenda. So, and I've never believed in looting anymore. You believe in looting. I mean, I think we both believe that people have a right to demonstrate peacefully. You know, do things properly, like signing petitions demonstrating as long as it's within the safe confines of the law. But once you start looting and you smash businesses, you torch businesses of people that are just trying to make a living for them and their families, and they, they get torched for no reason, no affiliation, no political affiliation at all, and they and their businesses just get torched because rioters want to be in the paper, Yeah. then that's, then obviously I agree like with, you and I are, are on the same wavelength saying that, no, it's, uh, I, I don't believe in that. And that's what scares me of these, of these demonstrations when the looting starts happening. And the violence. And the violence. Yeah. Well, that's it, because the looting always leads to violence. Yeah. Um, and uh, look what happened with George Floyd. That wasn't, what happened, that wasn't looting. You know? That wasn't looting. No, but the thing was... People demonstrated, but then other people started looting after. Right. If you saw, if and, and that that's what I'm saying. The demonstrations happened because people were very unhappy. Fine. If the people were demonstrating, but they were they were staying within the confines of the law and demonstrating, they have the right to do that. It's when the people that are within the demonstrators that are the looters. Yeah. And then they start going in, and then they just. That's why I said they they'll take a demonstration. And they'll they'll up the cause for their own agenda. So they'll say, "Oh yeah, I'm so angry about what happened to George Floyd." But then again, like even Floyd's family, just taking it as an example, saying, "Stop looting. You want to demonstrate? Yes, fine, demonstrate. You want to you want to um, send petitions to your local government uh, authorities? Fine. You want to call them? Fine. Email them? Fine. But stop looting. You're you're hurting." individual people yeah and how does that help the cause at all and it doesn't that's the problem and it's always and these are the people that get right away the media spots like that and they'll say well there's been there was thousands of people at a demonstration but we but instead of them seeing the people unilaterally marching and let's say chanting peaceful protest songs or holding signs up they don't focus on that, the media. But They're that, focusing on the looters. But isn't that always the case with the media and, and these demonstrations? Look, I, I used to cover, I used to cover the, uh, the pro-Israel rally in middle Montreal every year. Usually happens around April uh, during Israel Independence Day. They have a big rally in Montreal where they have yeah. the singers and they have a march and blah, blah, blah. And nine out of ten times, I used to cover it every year, and nine out of ten times... The major media would just cover the protesters, the five or six protesters that showed up to scream anti-Israel, um, anti-Israel jargon at the Jews that were marching for Israel. That, that would lead off the news. So, I mean, this is, this is common practice in media. You're always looking for the strife because otherwise it's not news, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, uh, 100,000 people got together for a peaceful protest is not news. Uh, you know, 50 people broke into McDonald's and killed the, uh, killed the guy because he supported whatever political candidate, that is news. So yeah. that, that's what the media is always looking for. They're always looking for that hook. 
And when they find the hook, they, they grab it, no matter how minute or how, uh, how crazy the hook is. So when you, um, when you have 20,000 people in the street and there are five people protesting, the five people protesting will steal the thunder from the 20,000 people that were there. And how many times you and, you and I have talked about this, when you take, let's say, good news stories and you see bad news stories, yeah. where do you get the more calls? Where do you get the most press? <laughs> well, you don't get it in the good news. Uh, like you said, I've what, repeated the your shows. I repeated the story a hundred times already, but I'll do it yeah. again. Because you, yeah. weren't, you weren't there when this happened. I don't think you were there when no. this happened. No, it, no, it didn't but, ring a bell. But I decided to, uh, one day, one day years ago, I decided that, uh, that this show wasn't getting enough calls. And so we, uh, we decided to do only good news stories. And uh, we, um, we went and we, um, we looked up a bunch of good news stories, myself, Mark David. We went and we looked up a bunch of good news stories, and all we did was present good news stories for three hours. We sat for three hours presenting good news stories, and we invited the audience to call in to share their good news stories. So if you had a wedding coming up, a bar mitzvah, anything that was good, call in and share your story. Guess how many calls we got, Sheldon? <laughs> Zero. Take a wild guess. <laughs> zero. Absolutely zero. No calls at all. Then a week later, um, a week later, because we did this on the Sunday show. During the week, we always dealt in politics. So on the Sunday show, we always messed around with the, uh, with the, with the format. You know, uh, every couple of weeks, we changed the format on Sundays just for fun. Is that what you did to mess around with the format on Sundays, Howie? Yeah, we did a lot to mess around with the format on Sundays. Didn't, didn't know that. And... Um, so, um, so the next Sunday, we decided to do only bad news stories. And we asked people to call in with, like, dreadful news. And we asked people. We did the exact opposite that we did the Sunday before. And guess how many calls we got, Sheldon? Five? 27 in three oh, hours. Boy. So see, that is, see, even the people now, even yeah. the listeners now, are so conditioned yeah. because of the media and because of social media of, of the bad news. That's why... I stayed away from Facebook for a very good reason because I couldn't stand. And you know what is terrible? The the thing is, this the, it it just gave me such a bad taste in my mouth for social media, and especially when you take a look. Now I know a lot of the social media has adjusted a lot of the algorithms because of the election, because they were also expecting humongous fallouts despite of who was going to win the election. So I was hearing that Facebook was going to adjust algorithms, YouTube and all the other social media, Twitter, all the other social media sites, Instagram and, and whatever. And I was like saying, you know, I was just taking a look at people that I do not know. Just going on the regular general Facebook page of all the different things. And I would keep seeing comments. And if the comments, it wasn't even just a question of the comments. It was the mudsling of people that don't know other people that were going back and forth. It was like these people were in their own version of social media MMA. It was disgusting. It was absolutely, and you know what? Look, if you don't agree on Biden being elected, fine. If you don't agree on what Trump does, fine. I don't care. But can't people express their views properly and with respect? And that's why it just totally, and Sheldon, Even if the person Sheldon, was Sheldon, very, Sheldon, very eloquent in expressing Sheldon, their views. Sheldon, Sheldon, Sheldon. No, no, but how is when the last finish? time? When is the last when you, time? When you, you start insulting somebody, a, when you when you start personally assassinating somebody, yeah. and you don't even know them, never mind if you know them, yeah. that whatever credibility that argument or that debate had, 
is completely thrown out the window. Don't bother wasting your, your energy and posting and writing and taking the time and doing it. So because as be far as I'm you. concerned, you could be completely to the right, completely to the left. I don't care. But you start doing that, you're not going to get any respect for, for me. That's for sure. So I have to be I'm honest with say, you, Sheldon. I have to be honest. Uh, I've been arguing politics for the last 20 odd years. Uh, you know, strenuously arguing politics, maybe even more than that, maybe even uh, almost 30 years. I've been arguing politics, and I have never seen the level of disrespect as I've seen in, uh, in recent years when it comes to politics. I've never seen that. It, it's, just, it's just been absolutely insane, the amount of disrespect that, uh, that, has, um, that has shown up in politics between people, families broken up, Wives and husbands broken up, people yeah. people who have been friends for uh, for for years and years and years, uh, breaking up friendships. It's just been crazily insane. Uh, and why? Because you supported a political candidate and you didn't support a political candidate. It makes no sense. But that's really what's yeah. been happening. Yeah, and that's the thing. Whatever happened with family and friends, and for people to just respect one another. I'm not saying people have to agree with one another, but at least respect and have the respect of the other person making a point. And that's it. And that's even, even when it comes to the best debaters in the world. The best debaters in the world are not politicians. They're scholars from university, and they respect one another in the debate process, in getting right. the facts, putting their point of view across. The other person would listen. Then they would finish their point. Then they would listen to the other person. That's and it, and it's it's for people themselves to listen and for them to gather the information and for them to make their own decision. Now that was the thing about media years ago when you and I first went into the journalism spectrum. But is Sheldon, that, 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 the media that, were, that world were, is were, dead. Were, that world is gone, Sheldon. Well, that's the that that's doesn't the exist problem. Anymore. And, I, and I and I just wish that the, it would come back to its roots. And I really wish that that uh, the sensationalism in the ratings, yes, I know all the media, the more ratings you get, the more money you get advertising. I know exactly how it works. You know exactly how it works. We've been in the business. I'm still in the business. So I know how it works very, very well. But when you start doing it to undermine your credibility with your listeners and you insult your market, that's where that's where I have a big, big problem because – where the media used to be was they would report the facts and they would trust you, the person that's consuming the information, maybe a listener, a reader, yeah. a viewer, to make their own decisions based on solely on the facts. All right, Sheldon, let's go to the phones. Hi, uh, hi, Jordan. Welcome to the program. Oh, he hung up. Okay. He was there and now he's not. All right, maybe I'll call back. Uh, but I agree with you, Sheldon. Um uh, you know, factual reporting doesn't exist anymore. Objective reporting doesn't exist anymore. There's no such thing as object objectivity in in the news media anymore. And and that's no. really the sad part about the whole thing. You know, and that's why when you said about why Trump used to get lambasted in the media and Barack Obama uh, didn't, and I, I said I absolutely agree with you because I saw it too. You I know, saw it too. Like I, like you like you. I saw it too. I I, I used to watch all these different news outlets too. I used to see when Biden would get a pass, and then I would see Trump every single time they would try to nail Trump. And then I would say, okay, you know what? What they did on Trump, they should have done on, on Barack Obama. 
Exactly. Now what? Sheldon, Sheldon, so, we gotta go. Let's go to the phones first. Jordan, welcome to the program. Howie, how are you? Excellent. Thank God. How are you? Very, very. Good. It's uh, been a while. I'm, uh, I've been. Uh, you've been uh, on my uh, Facebook feed, so I uh, decided to listen in. Oh, good. I'm, I, glad, I'm uh, glad you did. Find the conversation like very interesting, and actually, I've been glued to CNN all week. Yeah. Let me tell you, but not only CNN. I've also like tried to diversify myself because you could see John King. And Wolf Blitzer walked to the screen many times, but I also like to see Steve Kornacki walk to do his thing on the screen. And I also like to see the Fox News uh, people do their thing. So I've been browsing everywhere. And I like this conversation you guys are having about this whole how facts are not being reported. Everything is biased. Um, and unfortunately, but that, I mean, that could be the situation. But my question to you would be, we have the people at Fox News who you know, have had the reputation of being more to the Trump side of things. Okay. And these Fox News anchor are, anchors are also calling this election for Joe Biden. Now, the fact that the election is for Joe Biden is a fact, but this whole Trump, I don't want to, it's not a conspiracy, but this whole Trump notion of they stole the election, I just wanted to get your thoughts on that because even a media outlet that is, you know, not necessarily bias but tends to favor more or gives Trump more the benefit of the doubt than the other ones do, are not quote unquote buying into this whole notion of stealing the election. Okay, so Trump so, has been Trump has I been, just want to ask about that because I actually I something I don't know, something I'm I'm curious about. So Trump has been setting this whole stealing the election thing up uh for, for weeks already. So at his rallies, he's had many, many rallies over the course of many weeks. Uh in his rallies, in his campaign rallies he was already talking about the left stealing the elections with mail-in ballots, that, uh, that he felt that there was such an opportunity when, when a state sends out millions of mail-in ballots to all their citizens, uh, instead of having the citizens request mail-in ballots, look, I can't make it to the election, please send me a ballot. That's usually the way it works. Instead, many states sent out these ballots, and he said by sending them out, you're just opening it up to fraud. You're just opening it up to people right. gathering the ballots and, and harvesting them and doing yes. what they want with the ballots. And so, so naturally, after a result like this came out, that Trump did not uh, come out as the winner of the election, it's, it's quite obvious he didn't get enough votes to win the election, uh, obviously he was going to go that route where he was going to say the mail-in ballots, you know, uh, if you sent them to a nursing home, and the nurse in the nursing home gathered up all the old people ballots, and the old people were senile anyway. They didn't know what they were doing. And the nurse made them vote for, for, for whoever, for Biden. Uh, naturally, that, that's called stealing the election. That's, that's the way Trump is thinking. And so, um, right, this is expected. Which, which was totally expected because he already said it. He, he, he said it for weeks in advance. So it was no it's, surprise. It's, 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 he's going to call the election a scam. He loses the worst candidate ever. He said that at his rally, that he's going to... Anyways, yes, you were saying. Exactly. So it's no great surprise that Trump would do this. Um, so, so, so the question is now, uh, nobody's buying it. Of course nobody's buying it because we all see the election results. It's, it's, it's quite obvious. And if you're going to accept the results of the Senate races and the Congress races, which are on the same ballot, then you have to accept the results of the presidential race. So right. it's, it's not it's, like it's, a separate ballot. It's, it's, it's one the Republican congressmen and women who won their individual races right. as well. So it's one piece of paper. It's not like five different pieces of paper. The ballot is right. one piece of paper. For the House of Representatives, they, exactly. they, cut the, uh, they cut the majority to eight seats, majority the Democrats, if I'm not mistaken. 
they cut it down to an eight seats, like uh, they have eight seats more than the uh, Republicans do, which was a big cut that was not anticipated beforehand. Right. So it's just delegitimizing that process as well. Yeah. So if you're if you're looking at uh, at election fraud, you can't say I accept the fact that uh, that that we that we did so well and we we took five seats in Congress, uh, but I don't accept the presidential debate, the presidential results. You can't say that. It's the same ballot. So if if the ballot is validated, then it's validated for all the votes on the ballot, not just the presidential vote. And so this is where I have an issue with uh, with with Trump's strategy here. Uh, if you want to say that there were irregularities in counting the ballots and that maybe they skipped over some ballots that should have been, you know, Trump ballots, they, they counted them for Biden, or, or they, they disallowed some ballots that, that were Trump ballots that, that, that should have counted for Biden, then I would say, okay, maybe he has a case. Maybe if he could prove irregularities, he could prove that there was something wrong with the way the ballots were counted, then he would have a case. But if you're going to say that there's voter fraud and because they were mailing in the ballots, it was fraudulent, but you're going to accept partial results from the same ballots, but not the full results from the same ballots, to me, I call BS. Right. Now, now my question to you is, Howie, why are, aren't these GOP senators, congressmen who just got elected on these same ballots, why are they not, because I, by, by my understanding and knowing so far, I think Mitt Romney and John Kasich are the only two who have actually spoken out, and George Bush today, actually, who spoke out against Trump, saying that this, this is a legitimate win and that they should be congratulating uh, the, the president-elect. Um, why haven't more GOP senators and, and congressmen who just won come, come out and, and said anything? Why, why has Lindsey Graham been the only one that, that's really said something you know, not in favor of Trump? It's called, um, it's called power. So... Uh, they would have a lot more power if Trump remained president. So if they could somehow finagle uh, Trump to become president, so maybe after all the counting and all the military ballots come in and all the other counting happens, Trump somehow, uh, Trump somehow jumps over Biden uh, number-wise and Trump becomes the president, these people hold more power because when the president is a Republican and and you're a Republican either in the Senate or in the, or, or in the Congress, you have a lot more power than if you're in the opposition, like, like in any government. So uh, I, think, I think they're holding out hope that maybe, maybe, maybe they could flip a state or two, and maybe Trump could just squeak in there. Uh, so they're hedging their bets. That's, that's, that's my guess, is that they're just hedging their bets. They're waiting it out. Um, now, now, they're all saying the same thing. It's the same mantra, uh, same speechwriter for all of them. All of them are saying the exact same thing. They're saying, let's wait till every legitimate vote is counted, every legal vote is counted. And so that's going to happen by the end of next week. Every legal vote will be counted. And I'm sure by the end of next week, uh, we will see that uh, Joseph Biden is going to be the president of the United States. And maybe all this, thing will, all this will disappear. But it's going to take another week or so before everything's finished. Very, very interesting take. Thank you, Harry, for, uh, for, for, for the answer. Thank you. Thank you for calling, Jordan. Appreciate it. No problem. It's always a pleasure speaking to you. Love talking to you, man. Take care. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. one 669 1292 is the number to call. one 669 1292 To get in on the conversation, I'm Howie Silberger. He's Sheldon Freed. This is the Howie Silberger Show right here on the True Talk Radio Network. Uh, we are live, and that means you could call in. one 669 1292 uh, we are broadcasting live on the True Talk Radio Network, so that's the radio portion of the show. We are broadcasting live on YouTube. We are broadcasting live on Facebook and on Twitter. 
and on Periscope, which is Twitter's YouTube. I don't know what it is. Anyway, we're broadcasting live on all those. Uh, Sheldon Eric Freed is here with me. He's sitting like a statue, but I'm, I'm happy he's here. Um, You're sitting like a statue. Okay. Yeah, well, you look like a statue. It, no, al- no, it almost very. It was a very good collar. It, a really good it, collar. It almost looked like Sheldon that you were that you that that your camera had frozen. No, no. I much no. prefer having you in studio because then I can see you're alive. But uh, but but it's good. It's good. I'm I'm happy that. Well, you're, one you're day here. maybe after this whole COVID thing, I'd like to come by and uh, see your studio, see your setup, and everything like that. And. I yeah. would I would love for you to come by and actually do the show here. That would be that would be amazing. Yeah, I'd love, I'd love it. Yeah. So yeah. hopefully after COVID, all being well, we'll be able to do just that. So, yeah. God willing, if God wills it, it might happen, Sheldon. If God wills it, it might happen. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's a lot a lot of cases uh, locally. Oh my God, it was over 1,300 cases in the in our broadcast location today. It was one of the highest, if not the highest, since it's actually happened. Wow. So, yeah, it was really very, very scary results. As a matter of fact, the health minister of the city wanted things to be a little less uh, stringent, like a little less strict, but the government itself overruled them. And I think the government actually was right on that because there's still just too many darn cases over here. Why do you so. think why do you think COVID is, uh, is is spreading so much in Montreal? You think it's the schools? I mean, I read an article this well, weekend. I read an article this weekend in the Montreal Gazette saying that that it was the schools that were spreading COVID. That kids were going to school, they were picking it up from their friends, they were bringing it home to their parents, and that's how it was spreading. Well, uh, if you, you think notice that's the case? too, and I was I was watching, um, I was like uh, monitoring CBC and CTV, and they were saying the same thing because the summer there was a little bit of an outbreak, like in terms of cases went up a little bit because of you know summer parties and people having picnics and and all this other stuff and backyard barbecues, but it. It went up a little bit, but then when the schools happened, because even people were saying, too, that the government, before the schools opened, they did not come up with a proper plan. They did not come up with a long-range plan. Everything was, when the schools opened up, it was like a lot of short-term patchworks on things that the schools had to do, and they had to do it, and and they had to do it with the demands. And the thing is, too, here's the situation. The teachers, the administrators... The principal, the support staff, many of them are parents, many of them have families or they have to take care of the elderly. If they get exposed, they get sick, they bring it to their families. Right. And and so the thing is that obviously when you get kids, like it's where where my uh, significant other teaches, she's two meters away from the students. So she's okay from where she is. And they... They they give her like sanitizers, so they they're giving her the proper pro- personal protective equipment, masks, and all this. I don't know about where you teach, I don't know, but um, but the thing is where she teach. So they're doing that. But the thing is, already a couple of classes in that in that school got stricken with COVID. One of her classes got stricken with COVID, so they had to so so they were at home for two weeks, right? Straight. Now the thing is, um, the secondary five, which is grade eleven here. And the secondary three, which is grade nine, now it's they're rotating. One one day they're at school, one day they're online. And the thing is, again, that yes, it reduces the student population, but still, the thing was, here was a when the students first came into school in the end of August, beginning of September, they were, for the exception of public hallways and public areas of the school. 
they had to put the mask on. But in the class at that time, they were not obligated to, 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 to keep their masks on. Right. Now, only recently, the government said, now the students at all times must wear a mask. But it's too late because the schools already have been stricken with COVID. Well, I was now, pretty sure. On, I was pretty sure when they opened the schools, they had no plan at all. They had, they had no idea. They what had they were no doing. plan. That's the problem. And they so, had no long So range... basically, the teachers and the students were guinea pigs to see yes. what they were going to do and how, how it was going to work. So basically, because they were trying. They, they were sacrificing. Were to... They were sacrificing teachers and students. Yes. To see if exactly. they could solve the problem. Exactly, and it's I was very much against it from the beginning. Fairly disgusting. Said, well, well, the thing was, well, they, they said the economy had to go, and I say, you know what? There's not one person that's listening to this show, and there's not one person I know that's that's thinking. Everybody would like things to be the way they were. There's not one person that would not like to to go to concerts or to go out to restaurants or to walk around and have a party and have this and have Hanukkah parties together, have a, you know people getting together for Halloween, people getting together for Christmas who are not Jewish, people getting together for all different types of holidays. Even the Jewish holidays this year was 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 so it was like was absolutely extraordinary to the point that a lot of shuls were not 100% full of capacity because of COVID. A lot of people that were members didn't want to even come to the show because they were too scared. I know people that were members of the synagogue that you and I went to. They were too scared to come in because they were too scared about the social distancing, even the tents outside of the shul. Yeah. A lot of people were not practicing social distancing my brother who lives just on the right near the synagogue that you and i go to mm-hmm. he he drove by the synagogue uh one day and there was a bunch of people standing around not wearing masks talking right okay they, so they were not within the two meter distance nobody was wearing a mask. they were outside they were but even if they're outside if you're still close together and you're not wearing a mask but there's no, obli- not, there's no obligation to wear a mask outside. No, but the problem is there is an obligation of still being two meters apart. Okay. So the thing is, if they're not two meters apart, and, and you know, let's say one is basically talking that the droplets can easily spread, or if you're doing praying, or you're, you know, or you're, you're, or if a person is yelling, if a person is singing, you're going to increase that spray, and if right. a person is tested. Well, guess what's going to happen? So even if you're outside and you're not within a two-meter distance, well, guess what's going to happen? Guess what's going to happen? Yeah. And, you know, when you had Thanksgiving for the non-Jewish people, uh, so this is where people were starting to get it. And the schools, too, the schools were a catalyst because you were having students being in very close proximity. And where my, and where my significant other teaches, the students are not within two meters of each other. There are two meters of where she teaches, and she has like a a, um, a diagram on the floor saying that you cannot come in, you cannot come in uh, to, in that area. Um, and the thing is, the teachers are not required to wear a mask, but the students are. Right. But the thing is, again, it was the herd immunity. The government wanted to use it use use the students, and all the administrators of the school as guinea pigs. The pigs that was wrong. That's, and I know that they want to get the economy launched, but if the people are going to get sick, the people are going to stay home, well, where's the economy going to go? You know, you, you, as my father, may rest in peace, once said, Howie, you could have a million dollars in the bank or one cent to your name, 
but when you know but when you're not no longer alive yeah and your body and soul go up into heaven it's not worth anything so True. what's what's what so your health is the most important thing and yes for people that may think that i really don't want the economy to get back to normal you couldn't be further from the truth yes i would but you know what health tra uh, health trumps everything because without your health you got nothing nothing you don't have a business you don't have family you have nothing you don't have a school you have nothing it's true we're not immortal and that's the problem people have to realize that the governments have to step in like they never stepped in before they're they're put and it didn't make a difference who was in power because this was totally unprecedented of the type of action that we had to take and yes we had sars and yes we had uh west nile we had all these other things but it, you can't compare it to this howie and this is widespread around the world look at the united states of america where god knows how many people are getting 75 75 80,000 a day are getting infected by the virus a day are getting infected by the virus yeah but so, uh, i mean but this virus is going to spread and everyone's eventually going to get it so well Maybe that'll build up immunity. Maybe maybe we'll be able to beat the virus that way. Well, the thing is, they're still saying that uh, there's hope that a vaccine will be ready, proven and tested and ready by the spring. We hope. I hope so. You know, because uh, believe you me, I live alone, you, you know, and I have very few, little contact with people, for the exception my significant other will, will come over every once in a while. I haven't seen my kids in months. Yeah. I haven't seen my mother in almost two months. Yeah. So, you know, so I go out for, you know, like when the weather's nice, I go out for walks, I go out on the balcony, I go out, you know, the weather's been absolutely gorgeous here the last few days. So I, I go out for a walk or whatever the case is. So I make myself like to try to go out. But you see, the problem was when the virus started last year, most of the winter was past and it was almost at the edge of the, uh, you know, near the end of the win winter, my significant other and I just came back from the Caribbean from Aruba. And then this whole thing started. Now we're going into the winter with the second wave. So if you thought the first wave was bad, I think it's going to get worse because for obvious reasons, and especially let's say if you're elderly and it's really affected a lot, the seniors homes all over the, all over the world, all over North America, I think all over the world. And the thing is that um, most people are going to stay home. Now, the thing was, there was a whole thing about the flu shot. The, the flu shot was people were scared to go out because of the elderly where people were, scared to go out to get a flu shot because a lot of nurses wouldn't come into the senior's home to give it because right. they just didn't have the resources. I was lucky. I got the flu shot uh, the first week of November when it was first made available. I got the flu shot, which I go every year because I have a compromised immune system. I have asthma, diabetes, and high blood pressure. Yeah, I have not, to go out. That'll do it. And yeah. I have to, yeah, and, and they say right away, Scythe, I've had that. I've had the H1N1 vaccine. I've had, uh, and you'll take the SARS I've, vaccine when the when that comes out too. I'm sure. Yeah, I'll I'll take that vaccine when this thing with COVID is going to come out. I'm going to take that too. Uh, you know, my brother's a doctor, so I could always ask him to make sure, like, you know, how it is and prove it. If he's going to take it, if he's going to wind up taking, it, I'll wind up taking it because right. if it's safe for him, it'll be safe for me. So makes sense. So the cool. thing, yeah. So the thing is, then you have to figure well, there might be some re reactions or whatever. And then you have to weigh the same one, same thing with the H1N1. When then they when they had the Gary Barre syndrome, where there was a, a nasty side effect in about uh, 15, 10 to fifteen percent of the world's population that had the H one N one vaccine, and they would uh, they would get it, and in some cases some cases would be very bad shape, 
and it would take a long time to get out of it. Right. Uh, but the thing is, in most people, it did not affect, and most people got. But it was there was a rush to produce that vaccine, and I'm scared that the political pressures exerted on all these medical companies and pharmaceutical companies that are manufacturing the vaccine, um, that they sh- that that all the safeguards should be in place. And I hope that the safeguards will remain in place. So by the time the vaccine is available to the public, that all the safeguards and the uh, less likelihood of side effects, the less percentage of people being uh, having a side effect, you know, that's what I'm hoping for. I just hope the political pressure doesn't get the best of the pharmaceutical companies. Yeah, me too. Uh, Sheldon, That's what I'm just worried about. last couple of minutes of the show, I wanted to ask you, uh, this week was a pretty mm-hmm. sad week when it came to cultural icons dying. Uh, Howie Meeker died today. Alex yep, Trebek. an NHL hockey analyst. Yep. Alex Trebek died today. He was the host yep. of Jeopardy for 36 years. Earlier yep. in the week, Sean Connery died. Um, yep. There were a couple of other ones who died too, a, little, a couple of minor ones that died too. But that, I think those were the major ones. Um, yeah. You know, you know, people die. Well, people die. I mean, this happens. It's the course of life. As part well, of life, Howie people Meeker die. Well, was 97 years old also. And then uh, was... Alex Trebek was 80 and had uh, pancreatic cancer. Um, yeah. So, you know, people died. People get sick. People die. Um, yeah. Do you think we'll ever see the likes of someone like Sean Connery or someone like Alex Trebek again? I don't think we have that kind of talent today in in in, in the entertainers that are that are that are working in Hollywood. Well, they were classic people. Um, you know, they were like Sean Connery, who's had such. You know, he was one of the few people because he got his big break on Bond, but he was able to get out of the because some people they get into a character and sometimes it's very hard to get out of that character. And um, Sean Connery was lucky that he was able to be in a lot of different films. From the Hunt of Red October, you know, as well as his Bond movies. And uh, Sean Connery was a classic knighted and he was very well respected. He was a tough person to work with. But you know that if you worked with him, you worked with one of the best actors anywhere. Uh, He always um, he always was very direct with people. If he didn't like something or what somebody did, he would definitely if he didn't like a script, he would tell the producers. He would tell the writers. But, we, but if he did a movie, you knew that he did a movie the best that he could. And uh, he was a, a real staunch advocate for really good actors. Alex Trebek, one of a kind for Jeopardy, a Canadian that made it very big in the United States, um, did Jeopardy for 30 years. He was he, in March in March of 2019, uh, he made a video that he was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. And yeah. pancreatic cancer... Uh, is a is probably one of the most lethal cancers you can get, and it's very hard to ha- to it's very hard uh, hard once you get it to be able to really fight it. And it was a miracle that he was able to fight it for this long. And uh, Howie Meeker was um, remember I would watch the NHL when I used to want be a very a big sports fan, and he would be on um, either uh, Maple Leaf CTV or CBC and be the um, hockey analyst, and he was. He always had a smile and he would joke around. He was a great player. He was a gentleman uh, type of player. Um, I met him a couple of times uh, through radio. A very nice gentleman. He was nice to everybody. He always respected everybody. Uh, Will we see this type in, in the future? I don't know. It's the same thing as broadcasters. A lot of broadcasters, news people. Um, 
it, it'll never be the same. And especially the new broadcasting schools, really, I, I really find a lot of broadcasting schools are really missing out. Yeah. Uh, it's not, you know, like years ago when people used to start on radio, and I'm sure you were taught this too, you had to go to a small market. You had to literally from sweeping the floors to doing the news, to doing your own show, operating and producing your own show, doing your own production, doing everything. And that was the way to do it. And I, I learned radio, that type of radio in high school and college. I went to a, and I got my first uh, commercial radio. Well, I, I worked at Shom doing the record library as an intern, uh, record library and an intern back in the 70s. But I got my first commercial radio gig in Ottawa back in eight, 1982. And, and they taught me and they taught me so much. And uh, it was just amazing. But these were people that I didn't have to beg hand and foot. These were people that took me under their wing. Even at CJD, when I when I joined uh, a part time in 1989, you know, there was Gord Sinclair. There was so many great quality radio announcers, George Balkan that I worked with. Um, so many wonderful, wonderful, gifted, down earth people. We'll never see a George Balkan. We'll never see a Gord Sinclair. We'll never see a Victor Nuremberg. They're good announcers that are there today. Uh, some people I still keep in touch with. Yeah. Um, and uh, they're still very, but it's not the same type of, it's a different, it's a different. Totally different caliber. Different, totally different yeah, caliber. Yeah, it's a different caliber. They're good. I'm not saying taking anything away from them. They're very good. Uh, I had some program directors that have to, have to be the nicest guys in the world. That were very down to earth. Uh, my boss at Jewel Radio, uh, an absolute wonderful, wonderful man. I would have conversations with him for half an hour, kibitzing with him over the phone. Yeah. Where a lot of program directors would give you thirty seconds if you were lucky. This guy would, would shoot the breeze for thirty minutes on different things, and he gave me a break. And I, and he, and uh, for me to go on air and do and do, and do news, he was a real class act. And. You know, those are the people that I've always admired, and those are the people that I really am thankful for giving me these opportunities and breaks. And so Sheldon, just just today, Norm Crosby died. Oh my God! Okay, he was a comedian who had a wrong way with words. So I don't know if you remember Norm Crosby. Yeah, I, he I used saw to be on the Tonight Show a lot. He was funny. I saw him in the uh, I saw him in the eighties um, when I was a kid, and uh, he used to always misuse words to make them say How something. How old was he? He was ninety three. Oh my God. He always used to misuse words to make him say stuff that uh, that that wasn't necessarily what he meant, right? So it was always a right. mis, a misword. He was a funny comedian. He wasn't dirty. He wasn't uh, he wasn't vulgar. He was no. just funny. See, and, that's the thing too with a lot of comedians. And how many times have I uh, told you about this? And, you know, when you go and see shows, and we, we're privileged to go and see just for laugh shows. Now yeah. I know the nasty show though. You know right away what to expect. I mean, otherwise you don't. Yeah, like I don't really don't like go. the nasty show too much. I, I really, yeah. I'm, I'm really not into that yeah. kind of comedy, so I, I don't like that show yeah. too much. Exactly. I, I go to it. Myself. I go to it, but I, you know, it's it's not my yeah. kind of show. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I'll, I mean, I'll, I'll give an honest review as I normally do yeah. on all the shows, as I always do. But you know, a lot of the comedians, like if you take a look at Seinfeld, he's not vulgar. He's he's funny. He's clean. Yeah. And and uh, and people and people uh, people love him like that's uh, Don Don Rickles always uh, all like very very good very very funny witty you know I, like you don't have to be like people think now you have to be dirty to be funny. so when did you, you don't think have to. I think this all started turning when Andrew Dice Clay became big in, in the late yeah, 1980s yeah yeah 
I think yeah. that's where comedy started turning. Yeah. Andrew Dice Clay Thanks. became big, and his was vulgar comedy. And well, that's, he was vulgar I mean, I've, come. but you had vulgar before that. You had Lenny Bruce. You had, you had a bunch of vulgar guys before him. Uh, Eddie Murphy was vulgar. You had a whole bunch yeah. of vulgar guys before him. But I think Andrew Dice Clay was a turning point. I mean, that was the first yeah. time Saturday Night Live put a five-second delay on a, on a on a comedian that was hosting their show. Yeah. So, um, yeah. so once once that starts happening, then I think I think other people just tried to emulate <laughs> him. They just tried to be like him. And, yep. and that, that's, that's why comedy's in the gutter today. That's why uh, comedy's not that great. Yeah, yeah. But you know what? This year also, like, it was such a big disappointment, but obvi- for obvious reasons, the jazz festival, the yeah. uh, Formula One, and the comedy festival, like, it was so, like, it really felt like it wasn't even a summer this year. Well, hopefully they'll be back next year. Yeah, because the summer, like, we used to look forward. We would go to the bar yeah. And just for laughs and talk to how you know howie mendel and talk to a whole bunch of a whole bunch of people uh like just absolutely such down to earth or, people or get I into loved a fit, it or get into a fist fight with harry mendel yeah yeah i know i know what you're talking about i don't remember that i, I the, the howie i don't remember the fist fight you don't remember howie? you don't remember the uh you don't remember near next to the elevator when he was coming out and i was going in no, was I with you at that, that time? You were standing right next to me, so you should. Have okay, I, okay, I don't. I honestly, all right. I'm not so it's not, just, not not okay. not a story I'm going to tell on the air, I, but yeah. No, I I know you. I know you told me about it off air, but yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But but we did, didn't at one point we did sit with Howie at the bar. Yeah. We sat with Howie at the bar, and everything was very cordial. Yeah, he we was did. Very yeah. nice to the both of us. Yeah. yeah. Was that before or after the? Uh, it was two years. Fight? Two years later. Okay, two years later. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, and I remember uh, Ferguson with um, Mark David. Yeah, yep, yep. And Mark David. Ferguson. Mark David's dollar store <laughs> microphone. Yeah, I remember that. Oh, God. Yeah, that was Tom Papa. He was, I love Tom Papa. He, he's, actually, he's actually really funny. Yeah, funny and nice. Like, funny yeah, and nice very, guy, too. Very, yeah, like, when you yeah. meet him, he's a nice lo- guy. And I love Alonzo Bolton. He was also funny. He'd also be at the bar and. Uh, there was so many people that was. And hopefully, hopefully, we'll do it next year. Hopefully, we'll be able to sit down with well, these people. God, and, God willing. Yeah, I mean that's up to that's up to God, right? Yeah, so Not so many wonderful things, and I just hope that uh, I hope that next year things will get back to normal because that's what we all like at the at the end of the day. But, I, but people also have to learn to smarten up and to say, hey, you know what? Stop with the conspiracy theory. This is for real. A lot of people have died. Many people have died. Many people got sick. You know, it's time for, you know, we will get through this. I know we will get through this. We have to. We have no choice. Yeah, the quicker people smarten up and do what they need to do, then the quicker this will end and and things will get back to normal. God willing. All right, Sheldon, we're all out of time. That's it. It's been fun. We're done. We're done. Thank you. My pleasure. Uh, all right. I want to thank everyone for uh, for watching and listening and uh, being part of the show. Don't forget to like us on Facebook. Uh, find the Howie Silberger Show page on Facebook. Like the page. And if you like talking about politics, join the Howie Silberger Political Group on Facebook. Uh, it's called the Howie Silberger Show Group. Uh, you won't regret going into that group. If you like politics, you will not regret going into that group. Trust me, you won't regret it at all. Uh, hey, Howie, quick yeah, question. Will they yeah. regret going into the group? Not at all. Not even a little all bit. Right. If you love politics, that's where you want to be. Sure. I'm Howie uh, Silberger. He's Sheldon Freed. We will I'm see he's you. Howie Silberger. I am Howie Silberger. I'm Sheldon Freed. Are yes. you? 
Yes. Uh, we will see you again uh, next week. I'll be back on Thank Tuesday you. for Political Hitman. And uh, maybe I'll do a short Howie Silberger show. We'll see. We'll see on Tuesday. Hey, Howie, uh, yeah. maybe on Tuesday in Political Hitman you can discuss about the election. You think? Yeah, yeah what you wanted to do last Tuesday. Yeah, but I, 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 I did it last Tuesday, but it really didn't work out that well. Um, I wonder why. I mean, I mean, the show was a good show, but uh, I didn't really get the reaction. I really didn't get the, uh, the show I wanted last Tuesday. No kidding. I think this Tuesday I might be able to get the show I wanted. <laughs> okay, I just want to make sure that you do it. <laughs> All right, that's it. All right, we'll see. I'll see you on Tuesday. <laughs> Take care. Bye.